This is the Urban Jellical Podcast. Hello, welcome to Urban Jellical. My name is Mike Kelly. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, we're excited to introduce one of our church planning residents and a longtime friend, Joshua Savadoa. Joshua Savada has been on staff at Sacred Road and White Swan on the Yakima Indian Reservation for about 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And for the last year or so, he's been part of our church planting residency program. The incredible work there, which I hope you'll check out at Sacred Road Ministries, also includes Hope Fellowship, which is a church plant that we're going to hear about today. But I want to say hi to Joshua and welcome him. Thanks for being here, Joshua. Hey, Mike. It's good to be here. Thought we'd start with a little bit of your story and how you ended up out in the West with us, in the Northwest. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I, um, I was born in Indiana. My, my family is from Arizona. My dad's side is from Indiana. But grew up in North Carolina, Georgia, did college in Georgia. My, my family is Hopi. My grandmother was born and raised on the Hopi Reservation in northern Arizona. And... Um, I grew up, like I said, North Carolina, Georgia, and when I was in college, I got connected with the PCA, and I, um, my senior year, we did a, well, there's, there's a lot, I guess, I could go through, but we did, a, we, did a, we did a mission trip to um, Biloxi to help with Hurricane Katrina relief work, and I got interested in mercy ministry okay. type work, and then when I was, I went to seminary, and when I was in seminary, I came across Sacred Road on the PCA website looking for mercy ministry mission opportunities. And applied, came in as an intern, and uh, fell in love with the Granberries and the staff there and the work and the kids and, and joined uh, uh, 2010. Yeah. 20. So at the time, you were, you were thinking about getting a graduate degree, a PhD in history. Is that correct? Yeah, that was my, my plan had been to, uh, when I went to seminary, was to do an MA in theological studies with the goal of going to do a PhD in history with a focus on theological studies, intellectual history at okay. that time. And that changed. You met some kids yeah, it changed. in White Swan. <laughs> yeah. Was that a hard decision or did it just seem natural? Like, wow, I need to do this or? Um, yeah, I guess it wasn't that hard. I mean, when I, when I went, I, I really felt like I was supposed to be there. And I think, yeah, that's, I guess it's been confirmed. And yeah, there are times when I think, well, I could have done something else, but uh, I still like history, but yeah. So what is your work before you started in our residency program? Yeah. Tell us. And you're still doing a lot of that. Tell us what your, your role historically has been sure. at White Swan with Sacred Road. Well, I started off as a children's ministry director, and I did that for a number of years. And I've, at Sacred Road, a lot of us wear different hats. So, you know, driving for youth group and church and all that kind of stuff. And so then um, I've been, I, I started, I, I mean, I can't remember now what year, but I got licensed, I think, in five, six years ago. It took me, it took me a while to get ordained. And <laughs> Licensure finally, is part of the, the pathway to ordination yeah. in, in our denomination. So, so yeah, I, I, I did that, and uh, I help with youth ministry, and um, now I'm the middle school director, and I do a good bit of preaching, and then I guess I do a good bit of pastoring in the community with different um, children and teenagers, adults that are part of our church. It's been very challenging all over the world. Uh, with COVID in 2019 and still, but there are specific and very acute challenges on the reservation. Tell us a little bit about what this year has been like, because I know it's been extremely difficult on families and young children and, and the ministry partners we have out there. 
Yeah, it, it's been hard to do a lot. We can't do our normal ministry. We can't do we do a lot of outreach work. Can't do much of that right now, and uh, it's been difficult. The um, statistics are difficult and hard to always get. But a lot of Native communities have been hit really hard by the virus, and there's a lot of multi generational homes, a lot of people with um, pre existing conditions. Sure. So there's there's been a lot of deaths in the community and. The, the tribe and most tribes have been very cautious and careful because of historical issues with viruses and diseases. So um, it's put a lot of kind of clamps on what we've been able to do. Um, but we, we've still been doing various outreach and going to people's homes and doing stuff at the outside and that, that sort of thing. So at the, hopefully we can see the end from here. Yeah. Are, are you encouraged, defeated, uh, a little bit of both? <laughs> you know, tell us how the team's feeling there in the reservation. A little bit of both. I think uh, all of us right now are kind of starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess you could say. Um, Most of our staff got the first vaccine shot last week, actually, which was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, because we we have a a connection with the the tribe, and um, because we do so much work with kids, they wanted us to to get shots so we can start doing more activities with kids. Good. That's that's good to hear. Yeah. Now, about a year ago, I think it was, or maybe almost a year ago. Yeah. You entered into our church planting residency program yeah. with a view towards taking over the role as lead pastor in Hope Fellowship. Right. We're really excited to be part of that and very hopeful about your ongoing ministry there. Tell us about Hope Fellowship. What's it like? Let's go back pre-COVID on a Sunday morning. Let's sure. start on Sundays because it does a lot during the week too. But what's Sunday like? Uh, pre-COVID at Hope Fellowship? Yeah, our, our church is different. You could, you could say weird, but it, it's very different. The, a typical Sunday morning, we send out a, a big bus and three vans to pick up kids. And we pick up kids, adults, teenagers. And typically on Sunday, we have 50 to 60 children that are from White Swan. And we have usually 15 or 20 uh, young people, teenagers. And then usually around 20, 25 adults from the okay. community. So our, we've... Um, Different times we've calculated the average age of our congregation is generally like 10 or 12 years old because we've got oh a lot goodness. of little ones. And um, most of our kids that are coming, they're, they're coming either with a sibling or um, maybe a teenager sibling, but they're not usually coming with their parents. They're coming kind of apart from that. Uh, we had a team member several years ago that said, typically when you go to churches across the country, you go and there are children there and it's because their family took them to church. Okay. And they said, Sacred Road's a little bit different because the kids are there because the the church is their family. And oh, we've, we've often tried to make um, family ministry a big goal of the church, and it's kind of a big buzzword you know, for us. But I think you can kind of see it, too, with a lot of the kids that come and are part of our church. You know, we want to love them like family, treat them like family. And, uh, yeah, for a lot of them, church is one of the few safe places they have, and it's a place where they feel loved and cared for, and they, they feel like family there. So, And that's wonderful. That's wonderful and encouraging to hear, and it's a testimony to really what the church is supposed to be like everywhere all the time. So they, they come, they get picked up, then they, uh, the bus brings them to the wonderful facility God's provided for you guys on the reservation. Yeah. And then what happens? There's a service. Is there anything else that happens yeah, that's, that's, that day? Yeah, I forgot. I got, just took off. Um, yeah, so when, when, when they arrive, we, we, um, the, the teenagers usually sit together, and then we'll split the kids up into to groups that are color-coordinated, uh, red, blue, orange, green, purple. And they'll, okay. they'll, they'll be like the, the little girls, little boys, older boys, older girls, preschool kids. And we have, uh, sometimes it's a staff member. Uh, we have several young adults from the community and teenagers from the community 
that will be kind of the uh, adoptive parent for for three or four hours for the kids. So they'll, okay. you know, like Connie's one of our, our girls and she'll run the purple group and she has seven to 10 little girls and she's in charge of them. And she sits with them during church and helps them to sing and follow along the bulletin and stand up, sit down, get them to the bathroom. She's the purple team. Yeah. Have I met, I think I've met Connie. She's been part of the community for some time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, she, she's with the Granberries. Was she and, one of those little kids in that service at one time? Or? Yeah. She, when I was an intern in 2000, 2009, she was one of the kids that was at yes, that kids club. I've met Connie. She's pretty sharp. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. What would you say you see God doing in the sacred road ministry and the church? Like what are some encouraging uh, reports you have that strengthen you in your faith? Yeah. Well, um, one that happened this week is there's a young man who came, who came to church this Sunday and asked to get baptized. Great. And we haven't, we haven't seen, he hasn't been a part of church youth group for seven or eight years. And he, he came to youth group, you know, seven, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago. And okay. he was just kind of there. He wasn't like a leader. He wasn't um, one who was, you know, we invested in him, but he, he never really kind of globbed on and he kind of drifted away and was doing his own thing. He had a, a near-death experience with drugs in January, and he also had a, a series of visions or dreams that, he, that were kind of connected to it, and he, he'd been kind of struggling through, what does all this mean, what do I do? And um, I saw him at the trading post last week, and he came up to me and said, you guys still doing church? Uh, and I thought, I thought at first he was coming to ask for money, and so I was kind of like, you know, had my guard up a little bit, and I was like, oh yeah, 1030 on Sunday, and he said, okay, and I was like, I'll never see him, but he came this Sunday, and he talked probably for about an hour with Chuck and I and just was talking about what happened to him and what, what he's, where he's trying to go and how he's, you know, and he, he prayed with Chuck to, you know, receive Christ. And we're, we're going to kind of work through with him about what that means and what baptism is. Wonderful. Yeah. What's his name? His his name's Dominic. Dominic. That's great. Yeah. It's also a wonderful picture of the kind of work that we're doing in the Northwest here in, in urban settings, more traditional Presbyterian settings. Yeah. It just takes a long time. Yeah. And you guys have had to be there a long time to become fabric uh, mm-hmm. of the community and have that kind of credibility. But if you're just in and out for a mission trip, yeah, that kid gets missed. Yeah. But when you're there eight years later, yeah, he's got a place to go back to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things that drew me in with Sacred Road in 2009 when I was an intern was, was that, that commitment to being there long term. And yeah, some of these kids we're going to minister to and do a Jesus story with them and we may not see them again for 10 years and hopefully they'll come back, you know? Yeah. So that, that's the good stuff. What's the hard stuff for you when you're there ministering for the long haul? Uh, Cause there's a lot of space in between moments. Like you yeah. get with Dominic. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, there's a lot of different hard things. Uh, I think, I think one for me, one of the hardest things is there, there can be a real emotional toll from working with the kids and, and, you know, you, you interact with a kid and you, you see there's great beauty and potential and um, they're a wonderful kid. But then you also, as, as you get closer to people, you find out more of their story and you, you see some of the heartache and the problems at home. And some of them are problems you can't deal with and you can't, there's nothing you can do. And there, there are other problems you could, you know, maybe pursue a legal avenue, call the police, call CPS. But then uh, oftentimes that doesn't seem to work out either. So it can be really frustrating, heartbreaking and you know, it gets grieving for a kid that you know is being chewed up and spit out by the system or their own family, and there's very little you could do about it. That's that's oh. rough. So how how do you process that internally? How do you how do you um, call out to God or apply yeah. the gospel? You know, what, what's that look like? Because that's tough to do in any setting. Mm-hmm. 
when the needs are that acute and obvious, it's got to be a burden for you. Yeah. Um, well, I've learned that just trying to suck it up and keep chugging is not the best way to go about that. You know, trying not, to trying yeah. to just grit through it. You know, I, I got this. Um, I, I think one of the best things and a thing I really appreciate about Sacred Road is the staff we have. We have. Like, I don't know how many. We've got a lot of staff right now. <laughs> we yeah. got full time and part time staff, and you know the Granberries have been there for a really long time, eighteen years now, almost now, and it helps to have uh, experience. And you know, if you're this is going on right now, and I, you share about it, and then things say, "Well, that, you know, that happened with me ten years ago or four years ago," and people to commiserate with and and lean, you know lean on during those times. Um, I I've, I find for me, singing is probably one of the things I do. The okay. most, so I, I sing a lot, and I will um, make you sing for us now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So you're transitioning. Uh, you've always been involved with Hope Fellowship from the beginning. You've had youth responsibilities. You preach about half time now. Is that right? Yeah, Chris and I are doing about half and half right now. Okay, so Chris Granberry is and, and uh, Mary Granberry, the founders of Sacred Road Ministry. They've been there 18 years, and Chris is the lead pastor in a formal fashion and, and a lot. In, um, in the functional ways, too, at Hope Fellowship. But the plan is for that to change. So tell us a little bit about what you see during that transition, what we're hoping for over the next, say, 12 to 18 months, and why you're excited about having that role, which is similar, but it's going to be different in significant ways as well. Yeah. The Part of me is feeling like I don't know what that looks like, and I'm completely lost. And I'm in a mist, but sure. but uh, there there are, there are parts that we've talked about, and you know, preaching more regularly, and you know, we'll be at the point in a few years where I'm preaching most of the time or all the time. Um, some of the pastoring in the community uh, has some, you know, uh, a lot of it's a lot of it's very relational, and so then there are relationships Chris has that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe kind of working through what that looks like, um, and then something I'm I'm less confident in, I guess, in a way, is, is the leadership, you know, taking, taking the lead. I'm, I'm in charge of, of this church and this group of people, and what does that look like? And yeah, uh, yeah of course, yeah, talking through that, what does that mean, and how are we going to pull that off? Um, well, that's, an, that's a difficult transition for any uh, rising, growing leader to make. Yeah. But there's a whole community, the Presbytery, the board at Sacred Road, and of course the staff there. Uh, we're, we're confident and your ability to make those transition and grow in those ways. It'll be difficult, yeah. but we are hopeful, and I, we want you, of course, to be as well. Yeah. So um, we're hoping in the long term this won't be the only new church in the reservations in the Northwest. Right. And I know you guys have thought a lot about that. Tell us a little bit about the need beyond the Yakima Nation and beyond the Yakima Reservation. Or sure, tell us a little bit about what you are thinking of. Yeah, this um, this, this last Christmas we we did uh, Operation Christmas Child and partnered with uh, Samaritan's Purse Ministry, and we distributed two about two thousand shoeboxes to um, off the top of my head. I think it was twenty three communities or twenty three organizations and nine different reservations here in the Northwest. Okay. And um, several of us went and traveled to different communities. And um, so, for example, in Lapway, Idaho, there are, we connected with four broadly evangelical churches there. And there are several other churches in the community. But all four of those churches are pretty 
uh, running on, they've run out of fumes. They're just, they're coasting now. You know, the, the, the churches are really weak and, and struggling and um, very few people, very few resources. Um, and so a, a part of uh, my, my transitioning into the, being the pastor is Chris would be freed up to do kind of more connecting, networking with other reservations okay. and hopefully getting similar ministries going in other areas. Um, there's an elder from White Swan who says, whenever you look at demographics or not demographics, socioeconomic indicators in the United States, if it's bad for you, Native Americans are at the bottom. And if it's good, sorry, it's the opposite. Mm. If it's good for you, Native Americans are at the bottom. It's bad for you, Native Americans are at the top. So wow. poverty, suicide, homelessness, early deaths, violent deaths, uh, violence against women, uh, all those sort of things. Natives have, have real struggles. And you know, White Swan is one of those communities that has a lot of that. And we have a group that's hopefully going to be going to Warm Springs in this next, within the next calendar year. And uh, they're going to be doing a lot of similar ministry that we're doing. Okay. But um, there's, there's a real need there for a healthy church. And um, When you said elder, you meant a tribal elder, not a, not a yes, Presbyterian not a, elder. Not a PCA elder, yes, a tribal yeah. elder. Yeah. So um, we need leaders for that. Yeah. You know, as you know, you're part of our leadership development program. Yeah. That's a big part of what the network uh, will focus on yeah. for the indefinite future. We want to help raise up leaders. So your journey into ministry falls uh, across pathways that are familiar to the Presbyterian world, mm -hmm. and that's great. Uh, do you, what do you think the uh, bro uh, more accessible pathway might look like? Uh, for leaders who are Native Americans who can do ministry like you in that setting. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But, yeah. but uh, you mentioned earlier in some of our pre-conversations that there's some young leaders, some young people that you kind of wonder about their leadership capacity and maybe, yeah. they're, maybe they have some gifts. And tell me a little bit about what you see in them, and then we'll talk about, you know, how— we're not going to plan their life, but how we might help them yeah. on a pathway with stepping stones. Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I think that when you, when you talk about leadership and potential, there, that potential for leadership and individual potential, everyone has some potential for leadership in different capacities. Um, one thing that I think is really tragic with a lot of Native, Native communities is that there are some, uh, I, I could, again, name some kids that have, that have had huge potential and are, are smart and um, academically gifted and spiritually gifted and um, relationally gifted, but then because of their family circumstances and some of their own life choices, that you know, some of that gets snuffed out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, again, it's it's kind of looking back over the last eleven years I've been there, see, seeing some of those kids and knowing that kid could have been a future pastor, you know, he could have been a future elder, um, or she could have been a future leader in our church. But then things happened, um, so. One of the, you know, buzzwords, you know, holistic ministry, uh, Sacred Road, you know, we, we do a lot of that, but um, many of our kids are needing a place to stay or somewhere to live and someone to take them in. Um, I mean, I'm not, not just like teenagers, but littler kids. And so there, there would be, a, there, there is a huge need for um, foster homes. I, I talked to one of the foster, the, the foster um, organization there, the tribal foster group, and they had only certified one family to do foster, one new family to do foster care in uh, the year 2019. Wow. 
And um, they were saying they, they need more people, you know. <laughs> so there's that kind of thing. So in terms um, of moving upstream to yeah. find young leaders, yeah, part of that in your setting is to create a holistic, healthy uh, home family environment. Yeah. That uh, puts them in a position to have some choices sure. when they're older, right? Yeah, and, and there's some kids too that are in, are in healthy homes and, and doing okay, and you know, we need to try to get them plugged in with church and, and connected. Um, but there are a lot of kids that we've connected with that are just living in rough spots, and so um, we we do things like have an after school program and youth group and discipleship groups that meet every Thursday, and uh, yet we do young life at the middle school and high school. So there are different ways to connect with the kids and try to get them plugged in and um, push them into leadership. And um, there was a, a a pastor named Jeff Yellowal. He's I think he's Blackfeet, and uh, he he had talked once about. Whenever you're in front of the kids, it's, it's a great opportunity to, um, he used the term prophesy. I think he was using it uh, different than, um, well, let's I'll just, just, let I'll just, use, yeah, let's, I'll just let him use it. He said, let's yeah. not get all too Yeah, yeah we're not going to break it down. That. Yes. So that's uh, good. We he, he said, he said you, when you're in front of a group of kids, you can prophesy over them and say, one day you guys are going to be the future leaders. And one day you guys are going to be, you know, doing things here in this community and, um, and kind of speaking over them that they're, you know, they're going to be doing great things and they can do great things sure. and, you know, ca- kind of casting a vision over them and then also expecting it from them. So pushing them into leadership, expect having certain standards that they have to meet. And, um, and I, I, and I think too, there's, there's a desire within each and every one of us to, to want to be needed and want sure. to, to want to do something. And so kind of igniting that spark within the kid, with, within little kids and teenagers and so, pushing them towards that. So um, that's a great word. The cast a vision, yeah. give them the idea that it's not ridiculous to think right. about those things right. in the Lord. So you, you fostered that, and now you've got yeah. an 18 or, or, let's say, an 18 or 19-year-old. What are some of the next step pathways, stepping stones that might help sure. them? You know, think of Connie, yeah. who's sort of followed a, a little bit of a pathway of that, like this, maybe a lot of it that yeah. way. What are some? What's the, what would the next stepping stone be for that eighteen-year-old who mm-hmm. heard, you know, heard that prophecy, that vision? Yeah, um, li- living life with them, you know, okay. having meals on Saturday and playing games or watching basketball or a movie or that kind of thing. Um, we have a number of young men and young women that are working part time with us, and okay. some some of them are needing employment. Some of them would need a place to stay, which we already mentioned, but. Um, yeah, and, and potentially pushing them towards the college. I mean, that college seminary is kind of the traditional Presbyterian route. Yeah. Um, but there are other young folks that we're, we're trying to connect with. Uh, there are a couple organizations in the county of Yakima that um, do, do housing. So trying to connect, we've tried to connect okay. some of them into that, um, push some to, to Job Corps and get them into um, life skills, work skills. So you, you build early relationship, and then there's opportunity to get on staff so, and, and build deeper relationships. So, yeah. There's a saturation in relationship and then an immersion in, hey, this is what it's like to do ministry yeah. on a weekly basis. Here's a project, interacting with folks. Then you mentioned in, in our tradition, which has got real strengths to it, but also real weaknesses. Yeah. Then there's an eight-year pathway that costs a lot of money and is very disruptive. Yeah. Uh, is that sustainable if we wanted to raise up 20 uh, be part of supporting mm-hmm. the Native American community of raising up twenty Native American leaders. Uh, we can we're going to do some of that, but is is that the most effective way? Is that the best pathway to imagine? Or are there other ways we could do that? Some some kids are interested in going to 
you know, college and, and, sure. and graduate school, uh, a lot of kids aren't. And well, some kids, they're needing to get a job at 15 and start making some money, make ends meet. Um, Sacred Road has some economic development branches to it. So okay. uh, it's trying to get some kids plugged into that and start getting working. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of different, there can be a lot of different paths, whether it's uh, third mill or the lamp um, sure. uh, direction to go. Um, or you could do the old, uh, Princeton started out as like a cabin log seminary. Cabin. Yeah, log cabin well, that's, seminary. What, that's what I'm getting at. It's not about accommodating the standards. It's about, yeah. because there's all those platforms. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about adapting the structures yeah. so that we're not expecting a certain set of structures to, um, to folks to need to conform to that. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's a big part of what we're trying to do with our internship program and with our residency program as well. Yeah. So when you think about, um, a native American pastor or a pastor in a native American setting, yeah. um, Describe the the kind of gifts that that person needs to have. Uh, I know it's it's a profoundly relational setting. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a preaching element to it. Mm-hmm. What, what would make? I guess I'm asking you what would make you a good pastor. Then <laughs> no, I'm asking you who are the kind of people you'd like to work with. Sure. What are some of the profiles and gifts that you would see in a 20 year old and think we need to be we need to come alongside them? Yeah. Um, Humility is a big one. The not not just um, you know whenever you're in a new situation, new job, new you, there's a lot to learn, and so you can have you can have theological biblical training. Every reservation is a little different. Every community has different ticks and that sort of thing. So you have to um, kind of approach it knowing um, they, that there are going to be times when you get corrected and you get told you're doing that wrong. You need to stop, and you have to you know, bow your head and say, "Okay, you know." Sure. Uh, that's one you need. You need a good sense of humor. The, um, the kids and, and teenagers have a tendency to make nicknames for you, which sometimes is fun, sometimes it's not. And so you kind of have to learn, learn to roll with that quickly. And um, if you let, if 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 it's apparent that it, they they've gotten you, you know, then they'll know. They'll know, and they'll get you. They'll keep getting you. But uh, and you know, there's a give and take with that. And um, but yeah, a strong sense of humor, um, humility. I, I think too humility. In relationships, that you've got to be able to, you know, know you don't know things, and then know that there are others that you're going to open up to them and say, "I don't, I did this wrong. What did I? What do I need to do?" I, sure. I, uh, every once in a while, bring out a craft I, I made when I was first doing children's ministry. There was like a 14-step donkey, <laughs> and it was in uh, Beth Granberry, their their second daughter, got really mad at me because she was like, "The kids can never do this. This is too many steps, and this is the most complicated, <laughs> terrible craft ever." And, um, you know. You know, I, I had to take that and like, okay, you know, I, I couldn't be like, I went to seminary and I learned, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I missed this. I missed the craft class. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I could not do a 14 step craft. That's <laughs> no. For, and that's a five-year-old kid right there, that has attention issues can't either. No. You know, it's interesting. You, you talked about relational character issues yeah. as the core. Yeah. And that's what I see. That's what I see in you. I, mean, I see other gifts. You're, yeah. you, you have uh, a tenacity and, um, you're an effective speaker and you can connect with people. But um, really, you you are there to be yeah. with. That's really the core of what Sacred Road has been about for 18 years. And one of the reasons we're excited about, you know, the future of your ministry there. 
So you have a few minutes. We're going to be closing off here. I want you to share with us how the folks that are watching and listening can pray for and also support Sacred Road and Hope Fellowship, and even you, if, uh, if you can. And sure. then we'll thank you for your time. Sure. Well, as a missions organization, we always need financial support for, for individuals and for different programs. Um, people can come on short-term mission teams. We have, we have different individuals that will um, collect backpacks and donate them in August. We give those out to kids. We do um, Christmas time. I mentioned the shoeboxes. We, we did Operation Christmas Child this last year, but we collect shoeboxes from individual churches and give them out um, sure. as, our, as our own. Um, so we do that every year, and it's a, a great way to connect and give a, just to give a gift to a kid and, and share with them. Um, we need people to be praying for us. Uh, yeah. That's a huge part of it. There's, there is a lot of spiritual warfare and spiritual darkness, and we also can get discouraged and feel uh, like we're lost. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a big need for prayer, a big need for, um, for people to be, to be giving. And, and one of our, I guess, I guess our um, byline tag word is come and see. We want people to come and, and, you know, White Swan's not too far from Seattle. They could come for a Sunday or a weekend and chop firewood or, um, like I said, a short-term team, but, you know, come and see the kids. And, and, you know, we, we really believe that if you, if you come out there and you, you, you see a Sunday and interact with the kids and, you know, losing basketball or octoball or, you know, get play, a bad nickname. Yeah. Get a bad nickname, play on the swings. You know, you're, you're more likely to, to care and to give and uh, to pray. And we want people to be praying for, for these young leaders that are growing up. And yeah. I, I know that um, a lot of people have been praying for Connie over the years. And as we've been talking, there's a young man named Jyrone who's 20, who's worked with us for about a year and a half now. Oh, good. And he's full-time now. And a lot of people have been praying for him. He has, he has a grandmother there on the res who's been praying for him for a long time too. And, um, that's cool. It's one of my, one of my, one of my favorite stories about him yeah, yeah, let's is hear it. when he was in sixth and seventh grade, he got sent home all the time from youth group because he was hyper and wouldn't listen. He'd mouth off and be disrespectful and goof off. And, uh, he was in, they called it opportunity school in middle school, which is basically in, in school suspension. And I, w- I went down and would volunteer a couple, a couple days a week to help him and two other guys that were in there. And, help with their academics, try to, you know, and one time I got, I got kind of mad at him. I was like, you guys got to get your, your junk together. And I used the, I used a bad word, which I shouldn't have, but, um, Jeremy still remembers that he, he'll make fun of me every once in a while. I'll be like, you remember when you said that? I'm like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> but probably like four or five years ago, we were, we were having youth group and he was sitting on the second row and they're in the front row were a bunch of sixth and seventh graders and they're kind of wild. And, they were talking, acting up, goofing off. And so he, he reaches over and he taps him on the shoulder. And he's like, hey, hey, you got to be quiet. You got to listen up. And so I just broke out laughing out loud while Chuck's doing the lesson. <laughs> and everyone's like, why are you laughing? Quiet down, you know, to me. But to, to imagine that Jyrone as a 10th grader was correcting these little sixth graders and trying to get them to listen wow. and pay attention. And now he's, he helps with everything we're doing and he's working with us full time. And I don't know where he's going to go or what he's going to be doing. But we He's wanna... already a leader. Yeah, he is. And he started as a... Uh... <laughs> As a disruptive ten-year-old, <laughs> yeah. yeah. bored out of his mind, yeah. causing trouble, yeah. and you just showed up. Yeah, we'll see what happens to him. Maybe, maybe he's one of those ten-year-olds that will be, uh, yeah, leading and playing a church. Maybe he's an elder. We're There's hope- a lot of things. We we're just, hoping he'll be leading. Yeah, yeah. He, he is a leader. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, thanks so much, Joshua. It's really always encouraging to talk to you, 
and hear from you. So thank you for listening and watching today. If you want to learn more about Sacred Road Ministries, we'll have a link at our podcast website at Urbangelical. You can also just Google that and it'll get you there. Check out Urbangelical. We've got blog posts and other podcasts, and you can also click over to the network website to learn about what we're doing. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Urbangelical is a ministry of the Northwest Church Planting Network in Seattle, Washington. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, please visit nwcpnetwork.com and click Podcasts.